Welcome to Channel Journeys, the podcast for channel professionals that will enable and inspire you to create your best channel journey ever. Meet and learn from channel experts who share authentic stories of their channel victories, defeats, and lessons learned along the way. Here's your host, Rob Speed, a channel chief on a never-ending quest for channel knowledge and adventure. Hello, Channel Pros. Welcome to the Channel Journeys Podcast. Or should I say, welcome back to the Channel Journeys Podcast. This is Rob Spee, your host, and I, I plan on taking a few weeks off from the show, and that turned into probably at least a month. But I am back. You know, I'm the founder of Channel Journeys, where I'm on a mission to share my passion for the channel. But I've also taken on a new role, and that is as the America's Channel Chief for OutSystems. And I've been super busy there, having a lot of fun, building the team, working on our channel strategy, making some tweaks and improvements to our partner program, meeting with partners. We've got our big channel conference and partner conference. So a ton going on there that has distracted me from this show. And I'm going to be moving it from a weekly show to bi-weekly. So You'll be catching me every other week with a lot of great guests, and I've got another great guest today. A while back, I was out in Las Vegas at the ChannelCon event and saw a presentation by two guys that was pretty interesting. One of them was Ryan Walsh. You may remember Ryan. He was on the show earlier, and joining Ryan was Jason Bystrack, and they were talking about the Changing Technology Buyer's Journey. They did a breakout session. So Jason, he's head of the cloud business unit at DNH Distributors. He's also a CompTIA channel advisory board member. And that advisory board did a lot of work on the technology buyer's journey. And that's what he and Ryan presented. So they talked about the four stages of the buyer's journey, how it's changed with cloud and everything as a service. And they took an interesting slant on it. They talked about the role of the vendor, the distributor, and the reseller at each of those different stages. So that's what Jason and I talk about on today's episode. He gives a lot of great tips that they developed in their conversations as part of the CompTIA Channel Advisory Board. He's going to share that with us. Great content here. So enjoy this episode. Here we go. Hey, Jason, good afternoon. Welcome to the Channel Journeys podcast. Great to have you on the show. Good afternoon, Rob. Thanks for having me today. Oh, you're very welcome. So where are we reaching you today? Where are you calling in from? I am calling in from my home office in Buffalo, New York. Buffalo, New York. I don't know if I've ever been to Buffalo. You'll have to come up sometime. Lots of stuff to see and do here. Yeah. Can I visit in the summer? (laughs) Absolutely. Highly encouraged about nine months of the year. The other three, you take your own chance. Really tough. Is that where you grew up? It is. Yeah. It's a great place to live and raise a family. A lot of fun stuff to do. I always say it's one of those cities that's big enough to be interesting, but small enough to be manageable. Yeah, that's nice. I like those size cities. Awesome. Well, we met not too long ago out at ChannelCon in Las Vegas, and you were co-presenting with one of my prior guests on the show, Ryan Walsh of PAX 8. And you guys had a really interesting topic about the buyer's journey and the role of the partner in this changing journey that I thought it'd be really fun to discuss on this show. Absolutely. Yeah. And before we do that, let's fill our listeners in a little bit. So CompTIA, I think most people are aware of CompTIA, but you're on a channel advisory board and they have a number of different boards. What do you guys do on the board? What's really the purpose of that board in particular? Yeah, I'm glad you asked, Rob. So what we do on the on CompTIA's channel advisory board is really help CompTIA and all its members to understand the role of the channel and where the channel plays when it comes to taking technology to market. So, you know, for example, if you're involved with CompTIA, you see they're involved in a lot of new 
you know, emerging technologies that they're trying to figure out, you know, whether it be things like cloud computing or drones or blockchain. And a lot of the work that we do with the Channel Advisory Board is helping to understand the role of that channel and what we do to help prepare the channel to adopt and to kind of evangelize and really monetize the emerging technology that's out there. And so when you guys meet and have that those conversations, and I assume it's a variety of channel chiefs who are on the board, how do you then take what you guys talk about and translate that and get that out to the community? Well, it's it's a very collaborative experience, really. And part of what we do is we you know meet frequently to set the agendas for the types of things that we need to accomplish. So whether it's talking about which new technology is relative to the channel or the roles within it, you know, we'll we'll plot out and say, you know. What specifically are some of the deliverables and objectives that we have for this group? And then we'll develop project plans to do that. So one of the ones that has been really, I think, consuming a lot of time and time well spent in the last year has been really updating around the technology buyer's journey, how it's changed with things that are happening in things like as a service models and new ways of technologies taking a market these days and how that buyer goes through it. And therefore we kind of back up and say, well, what's the role of the partner? What's the role of an IT distributor? And what's the role of the the vendor or the ISV in that customer experience to support the buyer's journey? Well, that was a great presentation that you did out at CompTIA. And we won't have time to get into everything that you guys talked about, but maybe we can highlight it and dive into a few aspects of that. So I guess just starting off, what's changed about the technology buyer's journey with the advent and cloud and software as a service and, and kind of this whole new way of, of looking at the buying cycle? Yeah, there's quite a bit. And, and really what we did is we started off with looking at what the different phases of that buyer's journey are, right? And we identified 17 different phases that happen. You know, it's everything from, you know, pain and discovery, awareness and research. And then it kind of moves into things like assessments and reviews and negotiations and quoting and things. Then we rolled into, you know, how do we deliver that technology, train and implement on that. And then the last phase is really around support, you know, bill paying adoption, and then, you know, business reviews. So within all of those different steps, you know, what we did is we broke them into four key phases. So one really comes down functionally to marketing. You know, the next phase is really around the sales process then the technical process, and then lastly, the customer success process. And Rob, you asked what's changing. I think what's driving a lot of this change is that, first of all, is that the line of business decision makers are getting more involved in technology decisions than ever before. Yeah. You know, I think historically, it's often been there's an IT person with a budget, and they're trying to think about you know how they can maximize that, right? And 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 then separately, the business was making their own decisions. Nowadays, it's oftentimes the business is heavily involved with this entire process. So there's new people. You know, that is even more complicated by the way things are being delivered as a service, and especially with cloud computing, where you're really mixing together a hybrid model of infrastructure and software in one delivery. So, you know, that's one of some of the big changes, I would say. I think it's a combination of changes in the journey, who's involved from a customer side, and then obviously you're looking at who's involved from the partner side and who's influencing the buyer at those four stages, main stages that you mentioned. Is that how you guys looked at it as a board when you were studying this? Exactly. So we took each of those steps and put them into the four phases, like we said. And then within each phase, we said, you know, what is the role in the new model, for example, what is the role of the vendor? What is the role of the distributor? What is the role of the solution provider? So I think we've given some really good collateral and helped map out all of that. That's what we spoke about at the, the ChannelCon event back in August, for example. Yeah. So I'm trying to think how we can discuss that. We could either take it by phase or by 
participant. Let's take it by phase. So let's start at the marketing phase. What did you guys find in terms of the role of the vendor versus the role of the partner? And what I'm thinking of is we keep saying by the time you get to the customer or they get to you, they've completed 65% of their journey already. So there's a, and are you kind of considering that or was that, did you take it from that point that they find you and then you're having that conversation? Oh, absolutely not. We took the whole phase. So when you think of phase one is marketing, right? Some of the key changes that are different in today's buyer's journey is, you know, first of all, the speed of the market, you know, the way that every company is using technology with their clients, right? In a B2B world, it's not just people buying technology and using it internally. This is often extending out, you know, multiple layers to different end customers, right? You know, the way that they're learning about technology, you know, with online presence is being more important than ever and people doing their own research. And you mentioned a number that 65%, I think it's even higher than that now. We heard it's over 70% of buyers have already done the research and have are far down the decision path before they ever engage a partner. Yeah. So you've got to have a really strong marketing online presence. And from a culture standpoint, these line of business leaders that are often involved with the decisions, they don't want to be sold to and engaged you know, as proactively as one might want. So you really need to focus on how do you educate them? right? Rather than, than sell to them. So a lot of it is being educated like that. And I think, you know, from a content delivery standpoint, things that are self-guided, you know, intuitive video formats and things like that are, are gaining a lot more popularity in the new model like that. Well, I didn't even mention that you're with DNH as a distributor. So you're sitting in the middle playing an interesting role in all of this from the marketing stage. Is there a role for the distributor in this, in this marketing phase? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when we look at the role of the distributor, some of the things that, you know, we feel that they should be focused on are, you know, educational events, pulling together market data. You, know, you think about a lot of this has to be done in a multi-vendor world. It's not just one vendor that makes up the solution. So distributors are well positioned to help aggregate this and bring it together. You know, the business intelligence or BI data that they have based on past purchases, it's immense with the distributor. So how can they serve that up to help vendors and Solution providers use that data more intelligently, right? So those are some of the key roles there where when you think about the vendor role in marketing, things like use cases, market development funds, channel enablement, campaign kits, you know, content syndication, some big things that we, we published. And the solution providers, they should be helping to use all of this, right? So, you know, things like educational events, social media, yeah, making sure they're using these channel resources, co-branding them, and most importantly, engaging the customer and having business, not just technical discussions with them about these new solutions. Yeah, that's a big challenge for a lot of our traditional solution providers, isn't it? It's still getting them comfortable with having that business conversation with the, with the line of business owners. Yeah, it's not so much about the technology or the bells and whistles. It's about the business outcomes. So, you know, CompTIA has been very focused on helping to train for that. And I'll tell you, that's one of the key things that we focus on, you know, at DNH as well is, is helping train on business content and how to have business conversations. You know, I, I think another thing about marketing, that marketing phase, vendors know that they have to work there. They have to get out there and educate the customers and, and get them aware uh, so that when they have the pain, they think of of them as a vendor. I don't know if enough partners think about this because you hear a lot of partners say, well, I want more leads from the vendor. But if the customer in that early stage isn't hearing about them as a partner, seems like they have a lot less chance of being viewed as seriously in the following engagements. No, it's absolutely true. I mean, the partner needs to, I think, really up their game when it comes to marketing you know, I think in the old buyer's journey, it was okay to have word of mouth engagements and referrals. And, 
that's still not a bad thing, but more often you've got to be in a digital world where you're helping with that education process. Because again, these, you know, if you're supporting technology buyers in the past and now there's a line of business decision buyers, it's a different discussion and they're not going to find you the same way. So you're going to ramp up your online practice with marketing. Yeah, exactly. Get comfortable having those conversations and making those connections with LinkedIn and, and social media. No question about it. And okay, so moving on from marketing to the next major phase, which is sales, and that you divide into six steps, I believe. Yeah, the steps would be like there's assessment and evaluation, competitive review, contracting, negotiation, quoting, and then acceptance. Those are kind of the phases that fall within sales. And, you know, Kind of when I think about some of the changes that have happened, you know, compared to the old model, the new model is that, you know, it's a little bit longer of a sales cycle, right? There's uh, oftentimes a lot more focus on ROI models and trials and things like that, which frankly is even easier to accommodate in a cloud world. So, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. The speed of information is much faster. So people are looking for these things very quickly. You don't have time to ramp up big proposals like that. You need to know your stuff and have it available and ready to roll. I would say that, you know, overall, there's a little bit less negotiation or special pricing. You know, things are more often self-determined ahead of time to go along with that. But you do have negotiation around things like contract length and term because more things are being delivered as a service. So that can, you know, add a different complexity to, to things there. And then lastly, as far as, you know, acceptance of proposals, you know, in today's world, there's actually more involvement, I think, from the C-level and from the decision makers in the line of business, as we've been saying, rather than just the IT group that maybe just had budget authority for things. So you need to sell this across a wider organization and consider the impacts to your solutions you know, across the business and not just the, the technology stack. It's interesting that you said that the actually longer sales cycle where you would hope in this digital world that things would move more quickly. Well, I think it's the complexity of the as a service model and the, and the number of stakeholders involved, which which can lengthen the sale. Yeah. But if you're doing your job well, you know, you can keep that still, you know, nice and crisp if, and hopefully shorten that at the end of the day. Yeah. So how did you guys view the role of the vendor, distributor and partner in this sales stage? Sure, Rob. So the vendor in the sales process, they need to be able to provide adequate training to the downstream channel, right? That's very important. They need to help with things like ROI tools and how to use them, be supportive of trials and not for resale instances for partners to be able to use, help with easy to use sales content, clear product roadmaps, and I think very importantly, flexible consumption models of how the you know, the channel and the clients want to be able to use those services. Would that include like the freemium model to get the customers started in that trial networking effect that can take place in an account? It's a very common strategy in a cloud world is to use a freemium model and then convert it to you know unlock additional features through a paid model. So you know, great example, right? And the vendor can actually help to use that as a lead generation tool you know, for the channel downstream as well. Right. Okay. How about the distributor? So distributors, I think it's making sure that, you know, you're echoing that training and making that a multi-vendor experience for partners to complete the solution. I think being able to scale and provide pre-sales resources for those downstream channel partners, helping with product comparisons, again, business intelligence tools to be predictive and, and figure out you know, what happened based on the past and what's going to happen in the future. And proposal generators, how, do, how can a, you know, a downstream solution provider, you know, put together a multi-vendor proposal very easily by partnering with a distributor? You know, the last segment of the channel, the solution providers. So I think it's 
making sure that in the sales process, you're examining your relationships with line of business leaders, not just the tech side. You're leveraging these programs. You're prepared to do proof of concepts and know how to make it happen. And then I think just proactive you know, actions based on the data that you're being fed, right? So if you're giving BI data or tools or, or leads, these are things you've got to act on very quickly and make sure that you're driving that sales process. Excellent. And the next two, I'm just looking at, you know, the technical phase versus customer success. And they almost, in my mind, blur. There's a a lot of blur between these two. How did you put the dividing line between the technical phase and customer success phase? That's a good question, Rob. I mean, in a services world, I think it can be a more complex implementation that needs to happen, you know, oftentimes involving integration and things like that and the new model that happens. Again, when you're cloud infrastructure that you've got to consider things like security that go along with it, Oftentimes, the software layers are included. So, you know, you've got to be able to provide training and get people up and using that solution. So that technical phase, as we defined, is really all about the implementation from soup to nuts to making sure that, you know, everything that was promised is delivered. And, you know, some of the the roles that, that happen within that. So vendors... I think it's important that, you know, they integrate with common managed service provider platforms. You got to think downstream a lot of times that solution providers wrapping services around. So how do they integrate their products to that to make it easier to implement and manage? I think they need to make sure they have a multi-tenant management council is one thing that your advisory board agreed upon that the the channel needs to do this across multiple end users. So that vendor's got to be supportive of of giving that multi-vendor, multi-tenant, multi-end user management council to do that. Yeah. Yeah. The distributors, again, they've got to have platforms and live in an API world where they make things like purchasing and provisioning and implementation instantaneous and digital. So again, how do you pull together multi-vendors through one platform to do that? And then, you know, downstream further integrate that to those tools, like for example, MSP PSA tools that are used to deliver those services. And the solution providers in this phase, they need to be able to convert pilots into into you know actual production implementations. It's critical that they get involved with training, you know, doing data migrations and setup, and then really the overall onboarding of the customer. You know, this isn't a product world where you could just ship something out and leave part of the implementation to the end client. They've got to be hands-on involved with this whole technical phase. Mm-hmm. And then the last phase, and I guess the, I'm hearing the distinction is kind of the technical phase is is that onboarding of the customer, getting them set up, but then customer success is much more about adoption and driving that business outcome that they hired you for in the first place. Yeah, exactly. The last phase we defined as customer success, right? And some of the steps within that are, you know, support, billing and pain, adoption, and then, you know, business reviews, you know, post-implementation. And, you know, some of the changes that we're seeing within that are when it comes to support, you need to be able to have fast remediation, no downtime, you know, a good customer experience when somebody picks up the phone and calls or submits a ticket. You know, the billing experience, it, it sounds trivial, right, to complete and give an invoice. But the fact is, it's more complex than what's often a recurring revenue or monthly invoicing model that comes with some of the new technology. And that better be accurate because, you know, and customers want to be able to understand their invoice and feel comfortable that it's being done accurately and timely. You know, adoption is important. You know, one of the examples we gave at the CompTIA ChannelCon session, Rob, was a product that's pretty widely adopted, like Microsoft's Office 365. There's a ton of different features within that product that oftentimes aren't used. So someone might just use it for the email functionality, right? How do you help a customer really use that for, you know, things like the team's collaboration capabilities, you know, backing it up, unlocking other security features with it? Because if those features are not used, the adoption is not there, and therefore the risk of the customer leaving the services increases. And then lastly, 
the business reviews, you know, these have to happen a minimum quarterly, if not more frequently, where, you know, there's a, a customer discussion that sits down and said, hey, these were the objectives that you had for using this product. Here's how we're doing on achieving these. Here's everything that's happening. Keeping that customer on the service is critical because there's so much time and money spent on all these earlier phases. You don't want to you know, let this last phase slip. Well, QBRs, that's something I push really hard within my channel organizations to make sure that my channel managers are having QBRs with the partners. But it's interesting, you're saying the partners, I assume it would be the partners if they're in there doing the services, maybe alongside with the, with the vendor, having that QBR with the customer. Are you seeing that taking place very often? At times, the vendor is involved, but I think in a multi-vendor world, it's more important that the solution provider be doing it and that the vendors and distributors are providing the right data points and, you know, and, and metrics through dashboard integrations to make that easy for the solution provider. Yeah, that makes sense because you're right. It is a multi-solution in, in many, many cases. So I'm wondering, you know, in those stages, did you guys talk about metrics that these different groups, you know, the vendors and partners could be tracking to know if they're being successful. You know, we started to go down that road, Rob, but it's so specific to the solution that we didn't spend too much time there. But where we did agree is that, you know, the role of the vendor is making sure that, you know, through the service consumption, they're able to provide key performance indicators for their specific products as to what's being used. And then also make sure that they're sharing use cases and trends to help drive deeper adoption of those services. Yeah. We agreed that the distributor, you know, some of the key jobs there is in aggregating the operational process. So again, it's making sure those multi-vendor invoices are aggregated, easy to use and access, and then, you know, technically integrated in those common PSA and ERP tools that partners use to handle invoicing. And then... I think lastly, solution providers, they need to be the ones executing those business reviews, doing upsell and cross-sell, driving consumption, you know, doing monetization of usage and compliance checks, reconciling the business goals. That's one of the really important ones. And overall, just optimizing that technical and combined business experience for the end customers, really what the roles were there. That's really an interesting one because in the traditional on-prem world, you might contact the customer a few weeks before the renewal and, and before you send them the invoice for the renewal. But in the SaaS world, I think you're right. It's, it's that, that post-sale customer success is so important to reducing churn and keeping a quarterly tab on the customer success could go a huge way to, to reducing churn. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just overall, we're really excited about the content that the CompTIA's Channel Advisory Board has put together. And, you know, we're just starting to kind of get this out to the market. You mentioned the, the workshop we did at ChannelCon, and you'll see more examples of this because, you know, this is a framework that we built that we're going to, you know, periodically revisit and see whether anything's changed and kind of test things out. But we think it's hitting the mark as far as what's happening out in the consumption market now. What's also great is that I think partners are starting to use some of this methodology within their businesses. I can tell you that coming out of those meetings, I was really excited that a lot of the things that we're doing at DNH, especially around our cloud business, really lines up nicely with this. You know, some examples are, you know, from a marketing standpoint, you know, we've built a great digital platform that, you know, by design is able to be flowed down to help our partners use this with end clients to help educate them about services and even handle some of this, you know, being able to consume information about which services to use within the business. You know, we're doing a ton of events and, you know, education and partner training and then, you know, spooling up our business intelligence 
capabilities to be able to help people. So that what else, that's on the marketing side. What are you you doing things on the, all the stages to help the partners? Yeah, absolutely. And even after this exercise, we kind of went back and said, hey, let's make sure we're drinking our own Kool-Aid here. And we looked at the next phase, which was sales, and you know, looked and checked a lot of boxes that we've got great pre-sales resources to help partners. They're broken out regionally to make it easy to figure out you know, how to support opportunities. You know, The product comparison piece of it is something we excel at. And then helping with proposals for partners that are looking to put these together. You know, when we carry on to that technical phase, you know, again, going back to our platform, we made sure that this was integrated with common, you know, service provider tools to handle things like provisioning and purchasing, you know, again, in a multi-vendor world and making this uh, all API driven and instantaneous. And in the customer success phase, you know, we do a tremendous job of aggregating billing. You have five, six vendors in a solution. You can cleanly see, you know, which vendors and how much were purchased for each end client. And then there's a great integration to common PSA tools that our partners use, vendors such as ConnectWise or Autotask, for example, where they can just set up and streamline the invoicing process so to take out touch costs and improve accuracy. So you're really across the board. It's exciting that DNH is aligned with this modern technology buyer's journey. Yeah. And we were chatting earlier about you joining DNH, which wasn't that long ago. When it, how long have you been there now? I joined DNH in January. I was really excited about getting involved with them. I mean, they have a great reputation as, you know, that jokingly, they, they've been known as the masters of the SMB universe, right? So they really cater to that small to medium business partner or, you know, VARs and MSPs that support that small to medium sized end user. So these are often underserved by, I think, other broadline distributors and vendors, but that's a niche where we do great. And DNH was just when I kind of shared my vision for what I would do if given the chance to help run the cloud business, what we would do. And they were excited by that. And I think we had a lot in common with the vision. And, you know, after, I guess, month nine here, I'm in, they've held true to all the promises they made about making the right investments. And you know, we've gone from a team of about six people when I joined to over 30 people on the team. We've launched a brand new you know, next generation cloud platform to handle all of our operations. We brought on a bunch of new vendors and solutions. So it's been a, a great experience. That's awesome. And, and you mentioned to me the cloud practice wasn't new there. It's just this is the first time you've had a dedicated business unit. And obviously, you're rapidly expanding it. That's right, Rob. We had a very Microsoft-centric practice and are still, I mean, foundationally, our most strategic partnership. But, you know, we've expanded that to other vendors and really have, you know, quite a robust portfolio of integrated solutions now. So, yeah, it's not new. It's just uh, I think it's just scaled is really what we're doing with it. Yeah. So with the work that you're doing on the advisory board around the buyer's journey, are you actually taking that into your practice and, and working with your partners and vendors? I, absolutely. I mean, we regularly use CompTIA content. I've, I've always been involved. I've been involved with CompTIA for I think about 10 years now in different capacities. And I always find bringing some of their content back as one of the benefits that we get as a member and then applying that within our own business and then referring you know partners that we work with some of that content as well. It's definitely a best practice. Yeah, I had another guest on the show a while back and we were talking about putting together a new partner program. And, and this is exactly what they did. They whiteboarded, got up on the whiteboard and mapped out the entire buyer's journey. And similar to, I think, what you did at CompTIA and mapping out, okay, what is the role of our partners and different types of partners at each stage? And then that was the first step. And the second step was, how do we simplify? How do we make it even easier to do business with us at each of these stages? 
Agreed. And I think one of the benefits of doing this within CompTIA and their channel advisory board specifically is that we had a lot of different backgrounds and different com- types of companies represented. So it was very collaborative. I know I learned a lot from you know maybe different areas where I hadn't had a lot of experience and you know, hopefully shared some information with you know some of the folks that maybe weren't as in tune to working with distributors like that. So it was a great process. The CompTIA board, how do... There might be channel chiefs listening to this who's like, man, I'd really like to get more involved with CompTIA or even sit on a board. Is that invitation only or how would someone even go about you know, making it known that they'd, they'd like to participate? You know, it is invitation only, though they are always looking for new members that are, are interested in joining. Annette Tabor is the key person at CompTIA that runs all of the advisory boards. Jim Hamilton runs the communities. But Annette is somebody that you can reach out to and chat with her if, if somebody thinks that they'd be a good addition to the board. All right, guys, you heard it here. Annette Tabor, reach out if you're interested in in participating in this. I think it's a, a great thing that you guys are doing for the channel. So how about you on the personal side, Jason? What do you like to do when you're not mapping out buyer's journeys? Well, <laughs> I think that takes a lot of time is uh, what I do with the business. But I guess some of my hobbies would definitely be music. I enjoy listening to music and playing music. You know, I play kind of in a weekend band thing now and then to, to have some fun, enjoy sports. So you know, golf and, you know, watching hockey, football, baseball, things like that. So try to keep busy when I can. And uh, family is always the most important to me. Yeah, absolutely. So in the bands, are you a singer? You play instruments? I mostly play drums, do some singing and play some guitar. Ah, okay. Do you know Laz Gonzalez? I do not. You got to meet Laz. Laz was on the show. (laughs) He plays the Congo drums. Well, that's a skill right there. (laughs) So maybe you can get them in on a gig. (laughs) That'd be awesome. Well, any other tips do you have for vendors or partners who are listening to this of of things uh, that they should be thinking about in this new buyer's journey? Well, I think you made a good comment, Rob, in that you you said you worked with a partner that had done some planning around this. I think planning is key. I think a lot of times owners and executives are maybe you're provided access or privilege to see some information like this, but how do you go back to your team and, and invest the time? Maybe it's a half day session to map out a little bit about what are we doing to support this buyer's journey, right? Where do we have a value add that speaks to this? Do we have resources and people that support each of these steps? Yeah, that's a really important piece is to take the time to invest in planning. It'd be my, my piece of advice. Yeah, absolutely. All right. That's excellent, Jason. Well, thank you so much for for jumping in and and joining us on the show. A lot of great advice there. If people want to know more about the buyer's journey, is there a specific, is there more content on CompTIA? Yeah. If you go to the CompTIA website, if you're a member, you can pull that information you know, through the resource library. And I'd be happy to help connect people with other resources. You can simply email me at jbystrak, J-B-Y-S-T-R-A-K, at dandh.com. All right. Excellent. And I'll provide links to those in in your email in the show notes as well. All right. Fantastic. Well, have a great week, Jason. and, And thanks again. Really enjoyed having you on the show. You too, Rob. Great conversation. Thanks for the time. Hey guys, it's Rob again. That was awesome. Some great tips from Jason Bystrack on mapping out the technology buyer's journey, what you can do and what you can expect from your other partners in the supply chain to do to improve your buyer's journey and make sure it leads to your solution. A lot of great tips. I've got all those included in the show notes. You can find those on my website, channeljourneys.com. Just go to channeljourneys.com backslash CJ36 for this episode. And as I mentioned before, I've got a brand new website. Go check it out and lots of free resources, including a new course that I've created. It's called How to Build a SaaS Channel. You'll find that there on the homepage. 
And I hope you found this podcast fun, informative, helpful. And if you did, please leave a positive rating and review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this show. And join me in two weeks for my next episode. It will be with Angus Robinson. He's the CRO of Axient, and we're going to do a deep dive into the SaaS channel and SaaS channel metrics. It's going to be a good one. Until then, have a great channel journey. Thanks for listening to Channel Journeys. For show notes and other Channel Journey podcasts, visit channeljourneys.com. If you liked today's show, please forward it to your channel friends. And be sure to tune in for Rob's next channel adventure. 